Hi, I'm Lucy James, and I listen to the One Up Gaming podcast. One Up Gaming is behind me. Let me get in beast mode. If you wanna try me, you don't need a cheat code. Kante is who I be to you. It's Mr. Hero, legendary adversary. Flows considerably though. I'm a super saiyan. I got Dragon Balls. I wouldn't lie. You might think I'm playing when I'm saying I can really fly. When I'm on the track. Feel the energy I'm pushing out Put me on the map One of gamers who I'm talking about I'm the rapping master chief Epic to say the least Contain the hero better Etch that in your memory And so the one up gaming for the show I'll contain the hero is really gonna show out And we're here with a one up gaming podcast It is episode I maybe should have checked before I started I think it's 140 I will just keep everyone on tender hooks. And my internet's going so slow. Yeah, last week was 139. Yes, welcome. Episode 140. It's me, David, and I found one of our... Basically, one of the first members of staff to do any written work on the website. So, almost three years ago. So, Bob, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, David. I'm glad I'm here. So am I. I've been begging for people to come on all day. When I first started talking to you, I think you were a 15-year-old lad. 15-year-old, yeah. That, that, that would be correct. And you lived in India. Ah, uh, yes, I did. And now you're a bit older and you've moved continents. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm in Canada. I'm doing my undergrad here at UBC. What are you studying? Uh, computer science. Computer science. Is that quite hard to do, or is it not too bad? I mean, if you're interested in programming, coding, and stuff, like, I'm into computers. I mean, I've been into this field for, like, 10 or 12 years now. Since I was a kid, I used to, like, um, go through different magazines and stuff and, yeah, build computers and stuff. So, yeah, this is uh, kind of interesting for me. But if you're not into coding or... Maths in general, I would say, yeah, you're better off doing something else. Yeah, I mean, maths is not my friend. The c- computer so. science is basically <laughs> maths refined or redefined. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's it's a subject that I would not do well at. Um. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's I guess it's the same as like English. I have a re- my teacher basically said I've got a brilliant imagination. I just can't spell for toffee. So, oh great, you were supposed to teach me how to do that, but you know, it doesn't matter. It's too late now. <laughs> how long have you been in Canada now for Bob? Um, I came here back in August last year. So yeah, it's been like six months. And how long's the study course thing for? The course? Yeah, how long will you be in uh, Canada? I think so, four to five years, give or take. Like, uh, I'm planning to do a co-op or internship. So that will, like, prolong the period I'm here. Will you be sort of, like, going back to visit your parents? Uh, I did, back in December. So do you go... Are you planning on going back every six months? Or uh, uh, yeah, weeks? I'm planning to go back again this summer. Like, after my final. Yeah. So I'll be staying there for, like, another four months. It sounds quite cool, actually. <laughs> uh, I'd love to just leave the... Well, I guess I did leave the country. I went from England to Scotland, which is not really leaving the country like you did. But it, <laughs> no one in my family can drive, so I, mean, I just have to get like 10 minutes up the road and no one bothers me. But I guess you took it a bit further. So I mean, what exactly does your like parents sort of like do? Are they into like computers and stuff? Or uh, completely no, random? no, not really. I mean, they don't know to turn on the computer. <laughs> I mean, I I am the only one, and like I am the single child, so yeah, that makes me one, <clears throat> uh, the only member in my family to know computer programming. So, mm. I mean, I I guess in England, when I was at school, they brought in computer where we had to do one hour a week on computers. Oh. But all, all they did was they showed us on Microsoft Paint how to do pie charts and graphs, and that was it. <laughs> you know, so 
it was next to useless, basically, when they first brought the studies in, in the UK. But then again, I'm basically twice your age. Yeah, times may have been different. Yeah. So, I mean, when, we, when I was at school, I think we had the Apple Mac. Or yeah, was that was the, a big the thing Apple back in the 90s, I guess. I can't remember. It was, it's that long ago now. But I know we, we used to have a... It was like a... It was like a, a video dictionary or something stupid. It was like a massive CD within a massive case that you plugged into it. And you could like look at dolphins and it'd have like a little three second video of a dolphin and that. Oh. And But but when you were, when I was like 12, that was just absolutely amazing. <laughs> that was like an encyclopedia stuff, stuff? Yes, yes, that was it, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen those, yeah. <laughs> when you're going back through all your history books. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we'll kick this on and I mean I don't know exactly how much gaming you get done but have you managed to get anything played this week or last couple of weeks of interest? Oh yeah, um, I've been playing FIFA 16 this whole week. Uh, before that I, I was playing Wolfenstein, The New Order. Uh, I mean, first of all, I just want to sort of, what's your opinion of FIFA 16? Because I detest that game with a passion. Okay, so, uh, this is my first FIFA game that I actually bought. So, yeah, I've seen bad reviews about it. Like, uh, 15 was a good game. I mean... Yes, 15 I've really enjoyed. Yeah, now... But 16... (laughs) I think they changed the passing. It's too slow. Yeah, yeah, I I noticed that. And there were some bugs which are still left to be fixed. And um, the one good thing is that the women's uh, team, the women's international team is here in 16. Um, yeah, um, no matter what, what FIFA game I play, I always choose Manchester United. That's there. <laughs> I mean, I love Manchester United. Mm. Yeah, maybe not next season. They'll get downgraded a bit. But then again, they might not. They might still be rated really high. Yeah, that that. And there's no club from India. That that that's sad. We are still waiting on it. <laughs> I'd have a guess. Is there any from Canada in there? I don't even know what they've got in, what they don't now. Canada, yeah, they uh, they actually put a Canadian team. Uh, I mean, they they have like two or three Canadian clubs, but they're listed as United States club or something. Yeah, yeah, they have like Vancouver Whitecaps and all, but they are listed as a you know, American club. So, what are you playing FIFA 16 on? Uh PC. I'm a PC guy. Do you know if they've actually updated the engine to be the same as the consoles? Because I know even as far back as, I think, FIFA 13 or 12, they were still basically using a, a polished-up like PS2 basic engine. You know, they didn't actually upgrade the engine. It was just added all the shiny effects on, but still running really old. But I think they might have changed it when they went to the Ignite engine. Uh, they, they actually they said so, but uh, I've been playing FIFA. I I played FIFA 13 before I played FIFA 14, 15. Uh, the only change basically I see is the way people, uh, I mean players interact and the graphics basically. Um, not much. I I don't think that there are many changes. They put a lot of changes to the engine. I think that it was already polished. Um. Yeah, I don't think that they that they made any changes after thirteen. I guess uh, it's been the basically same game with different inter- different kinds of interaction, different kinds of moves, different kind of skill sets. Yeah, I mean it is fundamentally amazing that the basic same game. Yeah, they can yeah. they can basically change it so much by the passing speed. I know, I know. Because, as I said, FIFA 15, I liked. FIFA 14, I didn't like, but I thought that was rushed just to get it out for the launch of the new consoles. Yeah, yeah. But 
when we had our 60-hour webcast, Zach had his PS4 and he had FIFA 16. And I had a quick go on it, and I hated that game with a passion. <laughs> it just did not click with me at all. But, I mean, I love the new Pez. I think that plays a brilliant game of football. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, they were lagging behind. I mean, when it came to choosing a proper football or soccer game, uh, people often chose uh, FIFA over PES for quite some time. But now, I think that this year around, PES is... Pass has like been upgraded to a better game than FIFA, I guess. But uh, they got better ratings, that's for sure. Mm. Uh, and my friend who detest uh, who detested uh, Pass before, are like liking and loving it. They play every day. Yeah, because I mean, I've actually got it for the Mi Xbox One, which I mean, to be honest, I haven't played my Xbox One really since. End of September. That's quite long. Yeah. I, mean, I had a lot of problems with it, so I just turned it off and didn't bother touching it. I mean, it. there's a problem with it because when the Kinect's plugged in, the light on the Kinect keeps going off and on, off and on. And if you're doing something that uses the Kinect, it has an error message in the top corner saying Kinect can not find whatever... And then it'll, the light will come back on, and then it'll start working again, and then it'll just go off again. But the control pad, when you click it in to sync with the console, it connects, and then like 30 seconds later, it disconnects. But it does it all the time. And I bought like a £3 USB cable that I plug into the Xbox and plug it into the controller to make it a wired controller. That's the only way I can get around it, but the Kinect's still knackered. So I think the the Xbox is about to die sometime, but... So, is it like a general problem, or like many people facing it, or specifically you? I have no idea. I emailed the Xbox support team, mm. and they were like, oh, have you tried replacing the batteries? I said, yeah, that doesn't really work with Kinect, because that doesn't work mm. on batteries, but... But yes, I mean, basically, I, I don't know. I, I came back from London. No, I, I actually set it up in London, and it just didn't work when I was in London itself. So when I came back up to Glasgow, I worked out I could get a USB power a, a cable mm. to actually use it. But then I've got to sit at the edge of the sofa while I'm trying to play the game, and it's just annoying. So... But anyway, that's enough of math problems. So, you say you've been playing the... I've completely uh, blanked. Wolfenstein? Yes, the New Order. Yeah. Um, what do you think of that game? Hmm, it's um, quite good, actually. I love playing it. Um, as you may know, the original Wolfenstein 3D was the game which defined the FPS genre in general. Yeah, uh, and yeah. it had no ceiling or floor textures, which is quite weird. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I mean, I still have the original one. They still have it on Steam, I guess, and you can play it. Uh, it's still, it's still like a classic, still classic. Mm. Uh, and the new order uh, is uh, uh, kind of like, I mean, of course, it's a new game, so everything is different, but you have the. You have to do the same thing, defeat the Nazi army. Um, there are little health packs and armor. Yeah, the principles are the same. The graphic is different. They have a storyline now. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty interesting game because I'm a big, I'm a huge FPS gamer, uh, FPS fan. So, yeah. I mean, Machine Games, who developed the actual game, yeah. I guess they developed the game because it came out for, was it the launch of the new consoles or there thereabouts? It was yeah. quite early in the, so it was a couple of years ago when they made that game. And they did that expansion for it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of rumours about they're going to be making either a sequel to the game or Bethesda are going to give them the license to do a 
a, a basically a redoing, a retelling of Quake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which one would you rather them do? Like a, a sequel to that Wolfenstein or to be given Quake and see what they do with that? I would say if they, if, because they're doing a great job with Wolfenstein, I would say them to stick with it. Because if they do, if they, if their version of Quake, uh, I mean, if it sucks, then it destroys the whole game for, like, the fans, like the Quake fans and all. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's been a, a good Quake game for quite a while now. Yeah, I, I don't know. If they, if they make it happen, if they make it, make a good game, I mean, it'd be awesome, but if they screw it up, then, yeah, they'll lose their fan and all, fans and all. So I'm going to guess that you're looking forward to the new Doom. Yeah, I pre-ordered it, yes. <laughs> so did you get into the the beta or whatever it was called? Beta, yeah, I played it. Uh, I loved it. It's um, <laughs> blood everywhere. <laughs> you, you can see the trailer. It's like so, uh, so gloomy, so dark kind of game. I mean, I might be wrong, but when I saw the trailers for it, I get the 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 kind of sensation that it plays very similar to was it Bullets Bulletstorm Bloodstorm Bloodstorm. I think it was Bulletstorm. Oh, Bulletstorm. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember that game. Yeah, where you shot people and had like the energy whip to bring them back towards you. Oh yeah, and but, you could like slide dash and kick anyone. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I get the sense that it's a similar sort of game to... Uh, it looks it looks as though it plays similar to that. Um, I might be totally wrong, but, you know. Yeah, it's a <laughs> kind of, like, re-entry to the Doom world. Like, the original Doom was... I think so. it was also one of the games that defined the FPS genre, just like Wolfenstein. One or of my favourite games. Yeah. I, I love the original Doom. Yeah, Doom 1 was pretty good. Yeah. Have you been playing anything else, or is that basically it? Um, yeah, I've been playing Project Cars recently, too. I've got that, and I got pretty bored of it pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, I I was playing it, but I stopped recently. Like, I'm into FIFA now. I got. I mean, I think that was one of the first games I've bought in two or three years for like forty quid. Yeah. And I was, I was so excited because I love proper realistic racing games, and I put it on. I played a couple of races, and it's like, ah, <laughs> I'm not really that bothered now. There was also a game called Assetto Corsa from uh, from an Italian developer. I did a piece on that for the site. Hmm. Yeah, that, that I, think, was, I think I've got that. I think I think I preferred that. I think I've got that on Steam. Yeah, uh, I think I think they are doing a a PS4 and Xbox One version as well. Uh, could be. I'm not sure though. Uh, it's mm. uh, basically the same thing: the simulation, real car, uh, real track simulation game. Yeah, I mean, I think it it was very hard because I tried doing. Um, I was going to do like a, a video every week of me playing for like an hour, see how f- far I can get, and then I discovered after about two hours that I couldn't even win one race. Uh, yeah, yeah. the handling, right? I I played I kept, the demo. I, I kept coming third. You know, that was the best I could do. It was like, oh, no one wants to just see me coming third on every race. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anything else? Or? Uh, no, but what what have you been playing? I mean, basically, because my Xbox is dead, my girlfriend bought me a PS4 for Christmas, so I've been playing around with some of their games. And I had a quick go at, I think it was at Dead or Alive 5, round, last round. Oh. I think it's called Car Fighters or something stupid. Which is basically a free-to-play game, and it, you get th- two or three characters to play as. But you can do the full arcade mode, which is quite fun. But I will say, the fighting mechanics are absolutely top-notch. Mm. But I don't know if it's because I'm getting old, but I, I feel quite strange. And I'd feel embarrassed if my girlfriend came into the room and there's two 
big-breasted women <laughs> with bikinis wrestling on the screen. You know, it's just a bit, oh, that's a bit dodgy. So, yeah. so like, if you had to pick one kind of game, like, if I give you an option for Tekken, uh, Dead or Alive, or Mortal Kombat, what would you choose? Or Street Fighter? To be honest, my favorite fighting game of all time is still Virtua Fighter 2. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I loved Virtua Fighter. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> and to me, Dead or Alive basically is what Virtua Fighter is now. Because you can even play as, I think, two or three characters from Virtua Fighter in it. Oh, I didn't know that. Cool, that's cool. Because the Dead or Alive, the original, was built on Sega's Model 2 arcade board. Mm-hmm. So they're carrying the lineage with working with Sega, so they said they could have some of their characters in the game. But, as I said, the game plays brilliantly. It's just... To, for me, it's just a bit disrespectful. You know, it just doesn't sit right. But, I don't know. As I say, it's probably because I'm like nearly 35 now and seeing two computer sprites half-naked wrestling around just doesn't feel right. But, I mean, I bought the Shadow of Mordor. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good game. The Lord of the Ringsy sort of game. Yeah. And I was amazed at the production values of all the voiceovers and the videos and it really does feel like you're within the the worlds of like the Lord of the Rings. And I've felt it was quite hard because you get surrounded quite easily in that game. And when you try to do the death move to kill him, because you have to hold the right trigger then press the X button. But as you're doing a death animation to one of them, someone else hits you from behind. Oh. And it was just quite annoying. And it also has the problem I find with a lot of third-person action run-around games where you just don't feel like you're quite in control of your character. It's a lot better than Assassin's Creed, <laughs> but that's not saying much because I hate that game with a passion. I mean, I used to love AC up until AC3, I would say, yeah. I mean, I played the first one. I thought it looked good. I played the second one, and I only got to about the third bit of story, because I was expecting, I don't know what I was expecting, but everyone was saying how great the game was. Yeah. And as I was playing the game, it was like, oh, fight this person, so I fought that person. Then a red dot appeared on the map. It's like, oh, do I just, just go to the red dot then? And then it was another red dot, and then another, it's like, oh, I saw that. I was expecting a much more story to the game but I guess that's not what open world games are nowadays yeah <clears throat> but yeah Shadows of Mordor I'd recommend it it's a, a I think it's a bad name because it's not even Shadows of Mordor which sounds it's Shadow of Mordor which just doesn't quite roll and I mean the last game that I've played I got into the the beta of Homefront, the oh, revolution. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Uh, so do you like it? Uh, this is the problem I have yeah. with modern military shooters. Because I'm colorblind, I can't see opposition on grey backgrounds. Oh. <clears throat> so I can, I can play Doom and Quake when it's like... Blue people v red people and things yeah. like that. Yeah. But when it's a, a modern military sort of shooter where they're wearing camouflage, I'm walking around and all of a sudden I just get shot and it's like, oh, was there someone there? So I got killed twice and turned it off. But everyone was saying how amazing the game looked. I didn't think it looked that good. I mean, it played okay. It felt heavy. And weighted, so I liked that because it uses the the actual engine that you know the cry cry Crytek. engine, Crytek cry engine, right? Yeah, and from what I saw originally when they first showed it off, it basically looked like a reskinned Crisis Three. Oh, but they have changed it. They've slowed it down 
and they've made your character feel a lot heavier. Because I didn't like Crisis 2 or 3 because it, you were too fast. It felt like you were playing on fast forward. Yeah, my opinion. I mean, I love Crisis 1 and the Warhead, but yeah, 2 and 3 kind of suck for me at least. Yeah, so, I mean, from what I played, I mean, I, I'd be interested in playing the story mode, but I just do not play multiplayer games. Mm. So, did you, you know, play I, Homefront, the, the original Homefront, before? Yes, I played that, yes. I quite enjoyed it, but it was very shonky. You know, so it was very... It just felt as though it was really cheaply made. Like, it got, like, an average rating, I would say, according to the reviews and all. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think that the game itself was, say it was £50 when it came out. Yeah. It was as if it was, like, a £20 Steam game, just given a bit of polish. Mm. And then it was charged, like, an extra 20 quid on top of it, or 30 quid on top. And it just didn't... I think if they released it as like a budget sort of title, it could have been okay. Mm. But I think THQ put that much money in the marketing, they had to try and get something back. I would say the idea of the game was brilliant, but they couldn't execute it. Yeah. And I know in all the press, in all the pre-press releases and that, they were all saying, written by the guy who did that movie Red Dawn was it? I think so. And about a year or two later, it all turned out that he had nothing to do with it. They just used his name. Mm. You know, he just got a check just to say yes, I wrote it. But I don't know. So that is what we have been playing. And what we will do now, we will have a quick break, have an advert, and then we will come back and we'll have an interview with Thomas. I am not going to even attempt his surname. i tell you what, for a laugh, I will, in this chat, give you the honour, Bob, okay. to see if you can pronounce that name. Okay. Hum... Is it Thomas Sakaloskis? That'll do. <laughs> I have no idea. I just called him Thomas and I said I will not even try that surname. <laughs> so, we'll be back in a couple of seconds with the interview. Time travel. Mystical magic. Secret powers. Stardust can save the world. Test your intuition. Solve riddles and fulfill adventurous quests. In the new book, The Power Vested in Me, The Gatherers, Book 1, Volume 1. Available now on Amazon.com. Join the adventure today because you never know what tomorrow may or may not bring. And coming up next on One Up Gaming, this week's interview. Right then, so we're here with the podcast. It's me, David, and I've got a special guest. So I guess, first of all, I'll just sort of say, can you just introduce yourself and what you do? Hello, I'm Thomas Sokolowskis. I'm a Chief Everything Officer at No Breaks Games, and I'm currently doing a personal challenge, a physics-based game, a puzzle and exploration called Human Fall Flat. Now, when I mean, you guys were good enough to send over like an early build of the game to us to have, actually have a quick play on, and I mean, when I was playing the game, it, to me it seemed like it was like a dream sort of scare. Like when you're playing, the the levels all seems very dreamy or like it, like a heaven sort of like dreamscape. I mean, and it wasn't until the guy who did the preview for it sort of said that he he got a lot of a backstory from the website. I mean, will you guys be putting in like either like a CG intro or like a comic book style intro into the actual game when it's finished? 
Actually, we are not putting any cutscenes or whatever uh, interruptions in the game flow. Even a level loading screen, there is no such screen. You simply fall to the next dream, so we want to keep the experience as continuous as possible. I, I got to the part, I mean, I don't know how far people get into or how far the game goes, but I got to the part where you actually grab onto stuff and pull yourself up and the little legs just twiddling around, it's quite funny. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, will the main character, Bob, will he get more detailed or is he going to stay, like, very white and, you know, not very much texture on him? Basically, we don't want to focus too much on Bob or his story. There is backstory, and if the game is success, uh, there will be sequels or actually a trilogy where you will understand what is happening. But for the first installment, we want to keep him uh, plain as possible. So uh, it's your story. It's not his story. And having abstract character and uh, with help of customization, you can put textures on him and paint him. You can make your own story. So basically, you are stuck in dreams and you try to get out of them. And, I mean, as people might know or might not know, the, the, the main guy itself, he looks like he's made out of jelly sort of thing. You know, <laughs> was that a design choice or? It, uh, I would say 50-50%. Uh, we wanted to do a procedural animation based on the physical forces, nothing uh, sort of animated. And uh, as we are doing the game with Unity, it is very difficult to make uh, things more rigid when you have, like, full ragdoll standing. So it got uh, this uh, jelly-like flavor or drunk or sleepy. And then uh, seeing the sleepy guy, we decided, okay, let's go with dreams. And it fits the mechanics of game quite well. And it's funny. I mean, when I was playing it, I mean, some of the levels can get quite challenging, especially, as you say, the he does look sort of like drunk, sort of dreamy, sort of sleepy. And sometimes he doesn't quite go exactly where you want him to go. I'm just wondering, will you, like, add maybe, like, a, a run button or something just so you can get back to where you were a little bit faster? Uh, a run button is under consideration to get faster, but actually... We have been playtesting the speed of character quite a lot, and uh, if you move any slower, then definitely it will feel too slow. And when you have going faster, it's very tricky to get the pre precision you need. And also the puzzles uh, later were designed for this speed, so if we add a run button, we will have to tweak all the puzzles uh, not to break the game. So... I don't know, maybe we will add, but I am not 100% sure. Let's see how the play, how the levels look after adding this. If it doesn't break the game, then why not? Right. So, I mean, how many people are helping make the game? Actually, I'm doing it alone as a personal challenge. I started this last summer and I decided, okay, let's make a game alone for a change. If that's the case, and I'm very impressed. Well, thank you. It takes a lot of hours. But uh, it keeps me motivated, and things are extremely fast. I spend zero minutes on uh, communication. Okay, I do talk to myself, sorry to admit. But uh, I'm going quite well. Uh, we have uh, many agreements together with myself, so it's easy to, <laughs> to go this way. So have you been a developer long, or is it something you've just recently come into? Well, my childhood, I started as a game developer uh, when I was like nine years old. I started coding my first games, then moved to engine development in the year 1994. I had a full game engine which was able of uh, like curved surfaces which appeared couple of years later in the games, but then I got uh, sucked in by corporate development, and I was doing backup software, then I started my own software company and ran it for 12 years, but I was always passionate about game development, I did it as a hobby, but then I saw that it goes nowhere, you really have to focus, and in year to 2012, uh, I started No Breaks Games with a couple of friends, and uh, since then it became my full job. So, yeah, with software development, uh, over 20 years experience and uh, just focusing on games uh, already quite some time. 
So, I mean, have you actually worked on any big name games, or were they all quite low, low budget sort of things? Uh, no, we we were small in the studio. We have released a game uh, for Windows 8 that was No Breaks Rally. It's a 2D racing game on Bing Maps, so you drive on actual maps and try to show good times. It has very interesting driving mechanics uh, because you steer with your mouse. It's possible to play with touch as well, but the primary uh, point was steering it with mouse. And uh, it's to mimic uh, the actual performance driving, where you are not steering the wheel, you are aiming direction for the car. I'm driving a little bit in uh, sports as well. Uh, the next game was Pocket Cheap, which was quite successful title on Windows Phone. We had over 800,000 downloads uh, and just launched on uh, Apple. Don't know how it will go there. But basically those were small indie type of games. Uh, I was not employed as game uh, developer for, for some AAA studio or anything like that. Because when you sort of say like in 94, especially the, like the region where you're from, then I was hoping you might say some like classic Mega Drive sort of games or something like that. <laughs> no, actually I was quite disconnected back then and... Uh, there were no indies back then, and to get into some serious business from here, we didn't have the companies here, and moving abroad to, for a game company, I don't know. Maybe I should have done that, but I didn't. Because, I mean, I know when I've talked to some... I, mean, I don't know if you're aware of the, the game, but Sensible Software, and like Sensible Soccer, Cannon Fodder, they, them sort of games. We talked to the guy who set that company up, and he was saying that back then, in the, the early 90s, you needed a publisher who had faith in the game because they needed to make like 10,000 cartridges of that game. Whereas now, you don't need no faith in the game whatsoever because you can just basically put it straight out onto like iOS or whatever and pay like $100. I mean, do you think that it shifted too far in favour of like... I don't want to say rubbish, but just people just getting some out quickly and it might not be to a standard. Yeah, that's a little bit sad. Okay, I'm in the developer too, so I'm happy that you don't have to have a multi-million budget to actually push something out. But uh, I'm trying to bring something of quality to players and I wish uh, all developers would do that. Unfortunately, especially on mobile platforms, uh, it's not the case. And, uh, well, there are many issues with mobile and that's why I moved to PC and console lately because it's uh, I play PC games myself, so I feel home now. So, I mean, with your latest game, will that be coming to like the so-called next generation of consoles? Yes, we are part of ID Xbox program. Uh, didn't uh, yet contact Sony because, uh, well, I want to focus on PC launch now and uh, as soon as we are out, uh, I will work on console ports and add uh, more content to PC version as well. I know a lot of people are saying that these new consoles are basically just PCs in a box. Is that the case or is it quite difficult to sort of like get everything working correctly on the actual code and everything? I could tell for sure once I have a game released on those, uh, but uh, so far it seems that uh, you don't need to do very lot of changes if you program the game correctly, like memory management and performance. But of course, with every platform, uh, you have a list of certifications, and those sometimes are not directly related to the game, but more how the console works, like uh, if a player comes, uh, stands in front of Kinect, he's identified, or you suddenly have another controller switched on and things like that, so this could take a considerable amount of time, but I hope it's worth it. I know for a fact that the, the idea Xbox program, it's a very, very good thing because, oh god, what the hell was it? It's, it was a, a racing game that I played Oh, God. Vector Unit. I can't remember what it was called now. But they released their mobile game. They converted it and changed it up and put it on the ID Xbox. And I think they added, like, six-player split-screen racing on it. Which, at least... The game still looked good, even though it was a mobile game. And played really well. But at least they 
added content to it and they kept it to like three pound or something for the id xbox sort of game which i was quite happy with because i don't know if you know but ps3 and xbox 360 they'd be like a, a steam game for three pound and then it'd be on the xbox for 15 pound and i just think they needed to change the prices to match what steam were doing because it was just a rip-off basically I mean, will your game be basically the same price as what it is on Steam and everything like that? Yeah, the idea is to have the same pricing everywhere. And uh, I don't know exact pricing, but we are not looking into very high figures because initially the game will not be very long. It will take a couple of hours to go through, but it will have lots of replay value. And uh, I see no sense trying to collect as much money. I want to collect uh, good players there and add the content initially for free for them really make a game that will continue later on yeah i I get that i mean i mean i will say that the the game itself i mean again i'm absolutely staggered especially with the background detail that it's just you and your own making the game you know (laughs) because i mean like i've seen some games with like four or five team members and they're very shoddily made. So, I mean, would you actually... Have you tried, like, Unreal for the engine and things like that? Or have you basically worked with the the engine that you're working with? Have you worked with that one for a while now? Uh, I'm working with Unity. Uh, I didn't try it on Unreal Engine because I was already quite far into Unity when I got aware of Unreal Engine. And also for mobiles at that time, Unity was uh, a preferred sort of way to do things. And I'm quite happy with the Unity. So if it ain't broken, I see no reason to try and switch to other engines. Before Unity, of course, I worked with XNA, with DirectX directly, and with proprietary engines and that was a mess and with unity it was you really can focus on your game yes i mean you say x and a i haven't heard of that in ages i mean i remember the tech tech demo they released when it first got announced with the car going into the wall breaking so i getting destroyed and stuff but yeah that's yeah that's that's going back was it like 90 no 2008 or something when it launched x and a but I think it was earlier than that. Uh, it might I'm have just been sure. when uh, they converted it over to the Xbox 360 sort of thing. Because I'm not really a PC player, I'm more of a console. So I might have just seen the news saying Xen is now compatible with the 360 sort of thing. But Yeah, it's it's quite old. It was good compared to like uh, coding uh, DirectX code uh, yourself because it has some sort of uh, content pipeline. But uh, really nothing compared to like a full-blown game engine like Unity's and most probably Unreal. I'm not a coder. I have no idea. I have tried... I don't know if you're aware of them, but like these so-called game development sort of programs where you put a, a graphic in and then you type in sort of like, if it does this, it does that. And then and within a couple of hours, I managed to get a cat that was animated to walk across the screen and jump around. And I was quite impressed. And I mean, to get that program, to be able to release it, I think you had to pay about £80, which I was quite impressed with. But I I, I can, even with that simple concept, just to add the layers, to add the goals to the game, to add enemies, to add other distractions in the game, it would have taken weeks and weeks but in like unreal and unity and things like that is it all still like code based where you got to type every single thing out of the eased out a little bit well unreal engine has uh, those blueprints so you can uh, take care most of the things without coding um Unity has some plugins that allow this, but uh, being coder myself, I see this more of an obstacle than an advantage because I, I can read code better. Yeah, you know what and you're doing. <laughs> yeah, 
And for for game engines which are really simple, they are a good way to start. I have twelve year old son who has done his games in Game Maker when he was eight. It was a zombie game where you with artificial intelligence, pathfinding, shooting and so on. It's amazing what you can do nowadays. Yeah, I think that's what got me was the the pathfinding for the enemies. I had it set when the enemy sees you, they go towards you, then they just randomly just walk, walk around in circles. But yeah, that struggled with me. But So you say you've been working on the game for just about a year now? Well, it's less than a year. Basic idea is uh, as such. Uh, it takes uh, nine months to make a human. I've Googled that, and I have made three humans myself so far. So it shouldn't take more to make a mere game. So I started last last July, and I hope to launch it uh, quite soon. Maybe I won't fit into nine months period, but let's hope it doesn't turn out ugly. (laughs) (laughs) No, it'll be cute in your eyes, whatever it turns out like. What is the end goal for this game? I mean, how many levels are you hoping to do for this sort of release? Well, official uh, news is uh, having six levels, basically uh, what you already have, but those levels are being tweaked based on playtesting results, and uh, music is being composed, and all the polishing is done. But uh, I will start working on uh, level 7. I will not announce what it will be. It will be a secret. Uh, maybe I will be able to fit it uh, for the launch. If not, it will be a free update uh, soon post-launch. And then uh, consoles will come uh, by the end of the year, and I will be continuing making levels until then. So I don't know. I don't want to make any promises just in case something changes. So for today, the game will have six levels plus one level coming either into launch or post-launch. So I mean, when you sort of say six levels, it doesn't sound a lot, but what people might not realize, although it is like a physics platform game, it's much more like a puzzle platform sort of game. And it's not just going from A to B, it's actually working at how to get from A to B. So it's, you know, it doesn't sound a lot, but it's packed with content to get through those levels. Yeah, currently just uh, passing the game uh, takes like an hour and a half or two hours on average, and this is just seeing one possible solution. Uh, Most of the puzzles have uh, many solutions to them. So if you can't find one way to solve, uh, you can try another way. And also we have placed uh, distractions such as dumpsters. You can pack things into them. You can ride them. You can do all the crazy stuff. You can do parkour runs uh, because it has this clumsy parkour mechanic. So you can try getting on places against the game design and trying to find your own solutions, which are totally strange and weird. So yeah, it's uh, six levels uh, might not sound a lot, especially seeing the first levels. They are extremely short compared to the later ones. But uh, you can play for weeks and still find something new in the game. Yeah, you should maybe add like a little bonus thing where it's like a little football, you know, like little football game. So all the little jelly men running around trying to kick a ball. <laughs> I think that could be quite funny. <laughs> But, so, the game itself, you say you're aiming for, towards the end of this year, for consoles. And then, so I guess, is it summer this year for PC? Or maybe earlier? I still hope to release it earlier, like in the spring, but um, summer will be the latest for PC, yes. Right. And I'd have a guess, although you said you... No, just uh, say, of course, guess... everything depends on. Yeah, okay, you you talk. <laughs> Although you haven't said a price, I would have a guess between about the five pound sort of your know, five six sort of pounds sort of mark. Well, I was thinking more uh, like ten. Ten. 
Uh, well, I, I don't know how it converts in pounds. I am thinking in dollars because it's sort of usual pricing. So it's uh, in the tier of $10 game, maybe $15 game. But, uh, well, I cannot uh, tell the pricing because uh, we are still in green light. And uh, from what I understood later, you deal uh, the pricing with Steam. So I'd rather not say the final price, but yeah. I'm not looking into those $30 big indie games. Uh, it will yeah. be like quality indie game, and that's in $10, $15 range. And that's a question I wanted to ask because no one's ever, well, I've never asked to be honest, but I know to get onto Steam Greenlight, do you pay like $200 or something and then you have to get voted in to be accepted. You pay, I think it was 90 euros to submit uh, the game, and actually it's one time, so I can submit as many games as uh, I want. And then, yes, uh, you have to be voted to be considered for placement on Steam. Right, and I just wondered, is there a reason why you went through the green light rather than just waiting a couple more months and getting it on Steam proper? Uh, well, a uh, new publisher always has to go to green light. So only if you are already a publisher, uh, you can uh, publish games without green light, as I understand. But for, for new publisher, you always have to go. And another thing, it's not an obstacle. It's actually a very positive thing because I get uh, feedback from people. I see how they vote uh, and uh, I reach uh, more players. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking that launching it through Steam Greenlight, it actually gives you a bit of a marketing push without really doing anything. And then it gives you players yeah. that are willing to, to buy early, and then they'll sort of say what they like, what they don't like, and it gives you a, the option to make changes to the game before the final release. So I yeah, guess exactly. in a way, yeah, I can understand, yeah. I mean, I've got one question which I've, I'm asking quite a few people. I mean, a lot of them just sort of say they don't know. But I just wonder if you have any idea. It's not a question that you will know. I'm just asking people's opinions. And that is, why do you think when Microsoft basically appeared to have the, the new Tomb Raider exclusive for a year, there was a lot of kickback. But when Sony's done the same thing with Street Fighter V, no one said a thing. Well, I don't know, somehow Microsoft manages to make himself a lot of enemies. And uh, whatever you take, uh, there are constantly flame wars for Windows, for Xbox, for Windows Phone, for Windows 8, for everything Microsoft does uh, it usually is uh, resonated quite bad, or at least with certain groups of people. So I think uh, that's one of uh, the reasons that no matter what, Microsoft will do, there will be haters out there. But of course, uh, it's quite big company and uh, for Windows, uh, if you take the market share now, of course, more people will be in hating uh, uh, side because there are simply more people who are using or are aware of the platform. So, I don't know. All those exclusivity deals, uh, they are needed by platform holders. Of course, the players, uh, they are not very happy if uh, something is exclusive to not their platform. So, yeah, I don't know. You were right. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's quite fascinating, you know, especially two years into the console generation. And, I mean, I've just literally got a PlayStation 4. I've had a Xbox One since launch, and I can honestly say, even after two years, there's not many games with the PlayStation 4 which interest me at all. A lot of the games are for the Xbox One that are my sort of games, but the Xbox One has sold half as many consoles as the PS4, which is just shocking. Well, yeah, for me it's also quite surprising uh, for Xbox being a bit slower. Uh, I never had a PlayStation, so I cannot compare them honestly. But I had a 360, I switched to one or have both of them, and uh, I see nothing uh, wrong with it. Uh, 
So it makes its function. Of course, uh, Microsoft, uh, I don't know the direction it will go. It tries now to unify everything with Windows 10. Is it a good thing or bad thing? Uh, we will only know when it will be published. So it has all this bigger ecosystem around it, which sometimes could be harming more than helping. But in other times, it could be helping. For example, with those universal apps, if it will allow to publish a game on Xbox and players uh, could play it on a PC which runs Windows 10 without paying twice, this is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I know they've literally just announced their latest game, which I'm just looking at a press release for, which I've completely forgotten the name of the game, Quantum Break for the Xbox One. They've basically announced that if you pre-order it on the Xbox One, they'll send you a free digital code to download it day and date for the X for the Windows 10. So you actually get it for Xbox One and Windows 10, so you can play it wherever you want for the same price. I mean, in my opinion, I think that's a really smart way to try and get more people involved. You know, so you just buy the game once, and then you can get it either for the PC or you can play it on the Xbox wherever you want. But I guess it takes a company the size of Microsoft that's willing to lose half the, the amount of money just to try to get the game out. I mean, what do you think of... Do you think that's a, a good idea to, as I say, to buy the game once and get, like, two separate codes for two separate platforms? Well, I think this is fair to the player because uh, you buy a license to game to enjoy it. And... It, if you want to play it on your uh, Xbox or on PC, uh, I don't see why a player should pay twice to get the same experience. The mm. same as with like uh, past generation and new generation uh, with backward compatibility Microsoft is taking. Like I have GTA on uh, Xbox 360 and uh, I've played the game through and now to shell another 60 bucks to just play with a little bit better graphics it doesn't make sense for me. For some, it may. But if the game would be just transferred to new console, that would uh, be better loyalty to brand and players would be more happy. So I don't know if you are actually losing the sales because uh, some people would buy it twice or you are just making a better uh, fans for yourself. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's because of the situation they're in, I think they have to try to do fan-pleasing sort of, like, options, just try to get a bit of, like, support on their side. Back to your game, why did you think of the name Bob? It was the first thing that came to my mind, and it was in, uh, like, uh, work-in-progress documents, but then, uh, well, having a uh, little time, uh, and just in my life, I try not to fix things which are not broken maybe giving another name if the character would be uh, more pronounced in the game would make sense but currently there's some backstory in the website and there won't be too much of that backstory shining in the game so as I as I've mentioned uh, there's no Bob it's only you and those uh, physics puzzles out there right and so anybody that wants to get hold of the game I guess they can go to the website, which is nobreaksgames.com, and they can buy the game from there, or just is it just on the Steam Greenlight page? Well, uh, to buy the current version, you have to go through nobreaksgames.com. That's right. Uh, you can get Prototype. Uh, it's called Prototype, but basically it's more like better game. And then once uh, we are on green light, uh, you will get a Steam key so you can continue playing the game on Steam. So you will get it for free. And of course, while uh, you are waiting for your Steam copy, you can go and help us green light as well. <laughs> so I will just sort of say thank you for coming out. It's been a complete honor to speak to you. It's been a pleasure. And if anyone, if if you want people to follow you on Twitter or email or comment if you want to just give it any of your details that people can contact you with yeah we are mostly active on twitter we also have a mailing list which you can subscribe but mailing list is only for like big news so far we only sent one mailing list that we are on green light and most probably the next one will be 
that we are out or we are making the game on pre-order. But to follow us, the best way is to follow us on Twitter, and you can find that also from our website. And be sure not just follow, but be active. Contact. I try to respond to everything. Uh, there's a mail uh, on the website where you can get in touch. Uh, I read them all. I watch play Let's Plays, and I try to learn more about the game that I currently know. <laughs> so you're one of those people that's like standing over someone's shoulder watching how they play the game? <laughs> yeah. It was funny in initial Let's Plays, uh, players were playing and saying, okay, if developer would have seen that, and then I write in comments, okay, I have seen that. <laughs> I mean, I went to the pre-launch of the Xbox One over in the UK, and they were showing off the game Rise, the fighting action sort of game, and in the early previews, they actually... To do a, a death move or a finishing move, a button appeared over the top of someone's head with like either X or B or something. So you knew what button to press. But when they actually came to show it off to us, they actually changed it. And the colour of the button you had to press highlighted around the actual silhouette of the figure that you were fighting against. And I kept hitting the wrong button and the guy was saying, well, you press the colour that it is. I said, well, I'm colourblind. You know, put the actual symbol back above the head and I'll be able to press the right button. And they were like, oh, we didn't think of that. We just wanted to take the big button prompt away from the screen. (laughs) But I mean, I guess that's, it's things you learn during development. You know, it's, I don't know. But anyway, Thomas, thank you so much for coming on. I will not attempt to say your surname. But thank you so much for coming on. (laughs) Okay, thank you for inviting me. Not a problem. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Do you have trouble sleeping? Tossing and turning all night. Nothing you do seems to help. You're not getting your recommended six to eight hours of sleep each night. Well, now there's a solution. Now there's Fat Cat Fly. With Fat Cat Fly, you'll easily get the sleep that you deserve. Download for free on the iOS App Store, and you're guaranteed to get a good night's sleep with very few side effects, as you help a fluffy kitty eat all the junk food that he wants. Side effects may include sleeplessness and desire for cheeseburgers if erection lasts more than five hours. See a physician. Try Fat Cat Fly today. Visit facebook.com slash fatcatfly, because you deserve a better life. So thank you for that, Thomas, for that interview. It was great chatting with someone, and... I don't know if you know Bob, but the the guy, he basically does No Breaks games, is a single developer making a game. Oh. And it's like a proper full 3D platform puzzle game. And it's all physics based, so you, you, sort of, you look like a big jelly man. Okay. That's... And on the control pad, the right trigger controls his right hand and the left trigger controls the left hand so if you walk up to a door and press the right trigger he puts out his hand his right hand and he grabs the door and you walk backwards to open it or push it or whatever and it's quite funny because i got into a bit of the game where there's like blocks on the floor and it has a bit of a tutorial where it says you can actually climb up stuff Mm, that sounds interesting actually you have to look up, put both arms out so both your arms point upwards, slowly start looking down so your arm hits the ledge. Then as you're looking down, your arms push yourself up and your little legs are twiddling around as you're trying to drag yourself up the ledge. And it's got like parkour moves in it, but because your guy feels like he's drunk... Mm. It's just so funny to watch, like, bouncing around the levels and stuff. But it looks really nice, and I was actually very shocked that he's making the game on his own. And it's less than a year old, and it's already almost out. He's looking to release it in the next sort of, month or two. Oh. And I was really shocked at how good that was, and that's made with the Unity engine. Mm, that That's a good engine for making a game. Yeah. Yeah, he said that 
he looked at Unreal, but he said the Unity was better for the Dreamscape, mm. where he said the Unreal was a lot more sharper. Yeah. Which, to me, I, I don't have a clue. He could have been t- saying anything. But the game itself, I'd recommend it. I've, I've We've had, well, me and a couple of the other team members have had a quick go on a very early build of the game, and it, it is fun. And I, I guess now he'll be just tightening up the experience and adding some polish to it. But it, it does seem fun. So thank you for that, Thomas. It was great to chat with you. So basically, just go to our website, which is oneupgaming.co.uk. If you want to go on there, we've got links at the top of the screen for to go to our YouTube channel, our Twitch channel, our merchandise page. So if you want to order any T-shirts or mugs, just go on there. It'd be much appreciated. And if you want to contact us, just email me at contact at oneupgaming.co.uk. And you can also contact us on Twitter. I'm trying to remember all the things without it all written down. But Twitter is at OUG Official. Just send me any random crap and I'll reply to it. It might just be like, no, you're a dick, but you know, I'll reply to it. Um, other than that, we're on, you know, Facebook, things like that. But mostly importantly, please subscribe and download our weekly podcast, which is the one you're listening to, the One Up Gaming podcast. So just go on to iTunes or Podbean, things like that, and you can download the One Up Gaming podcast. Also, we have a new weekly podcast called OUG Talks which is an interview-based, well, I say interview, it's a chat-based podcast where I interview, chat with just a random person each week. This week we are talking with an author, I've completely forgotten the name, but the author was Angie, and go to OUG Talks and you can listen all about her new novel. So basically, that is it. So it's been me, David, with first-time co-host, Bob. So thank you so much, Bob, for coming on. Yeah, it was my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. And now that you actually live where you're only like a few hours behind us, <laughs> yeah. you might be able to get you on more often. Yeah, I would love that. Because like I say, we normally record this sort of time. So what time is it for you over there? Uh, it's one fifty-three p.m. One fifty-three p.m. Hmm. Oh, that's early than I thought. So, are you at the the west side of Canada? I am. Yes, I'm on the west west coast. Yes. Right. I was. Whenever someone says Canada, I always assume like five hours behind us. But you must be nearly like nine hours or so behind us. Yeah. Yes. Ah, right. Yeah, you, you're a lot further off than I thought, right? <laughs> I don't know anything about America or Canada or geography, anything like that. I can barely do England, and that's a lot smaller. So, it's been the One Up Gaming Podcast, episode 140. Thank you all, and we'll be back next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey guys, Justin here. I just wanted to say that I've been thinking about you. I've been thinking about you a lot. Yes, you in particular in that way and I wanted to say I think you're great I've always said that about you and I was wondering if you think we're great if you could give us a quick rating on iTunes we'd really appreciate it it would really really help us out in that you know podcasty sort of way and if you're feeling particularly festive perhaps even a little saucy maybe stop by our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash O-U-G and see if you can't slip a few bucks our way after all Every little penny or whatever space money they use in Europe helps out the show. Thanks for listening. OUG Gaming will always be free, but with your support, we can always move forward and always be better.